Welcome to the Eastside Church Podcast. We're a community-driven church based in Charlotte, North Carolina, and invite you to join us on Sundays at 9 or 11 a.m. For more information, visit our website, eastsidechurch.co. Well, good morning. So glad to see you. I just want to—I uh, want to talk to you real quickly. Obviously, we had a first service, and there was tremendous distraction. And we are—we uh, want to avoid distraction today. Okay, the reason being, this is some—this is a, I think, groundbreaking, foundation-setting stuff that we're about to go on, and it—it, it, uh, I think it. I think it scares hell out of hell. That's what I think it does. It just makes things just like go crazy. And so we want to be focused. We want to listen to what the Lord has to say. And we want to, go, uh, we want to go somewhere with this message that you've never been. Say that to somebody beside you. I want to go somewhere today that I've never been. I want to see kingdom like I've never seen it today. Amen? We're going to do that. We're going to start a series today called Freedom Reign, Let Freedom Reign. And we're going to start with communion. It's kind of like starting at the end. <laughs> Before you hear all the stuff, we're going to kind of start there. But the reason I want to do that is I want us to start with a place uh, that is going to uh, be this memorial, this reminder, uh, and do it as Jesus intended it done and, and learn how, as we learn over the next weeks, how to reign in freedom, how to actually apply it by applying communion. And uh, we can do communion, you can do communion at home. You know, communion is something that, that is, uh, you, you're going to find out is given to you so that you can be reminded. It is a remembrance. It has helped you get to a place in your personal life with Christ where you live in victory and in freedom. Amen? Amen? So we're going to study the different aspects. We're going to start with Revelation chapter 12, verse 10 through 11. I'm going to read it out loud. Now this is a view from heaven looking down upon you in your victory. It says this, Then I heard with a loud voice shouting across the heavens, It has come at last, salvation and power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of of his Christ. For the accuser of our brothers and our sisters has been thrown down to the earth. The one who accuses them before God day and night. And they have defeated him by the blood of the Lamb and by the power of their testimony. And they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. So picture in heaven where they, the angelic host, see you in victory. And so as we look at communion today and applying communion in our lives, we need to know that communion is a celebration of victory. It is a proclamation of redemption. It is a declaration of dependence. It is an examination of yourself, where you are as an individual, and it is a reception of God's provision. Now, we're going to delve into each one of these areas, and we're going to dig a little deep in that so that you can see the fullness 
of what Christ intended it for you. We don't want it to be we don't want it to be a place where, you know, you just you just enter into it lightly. We want you to enter into it in with the intent that Jesus established it. And so the first way that we understand uh, and as we come into communion, we come into it as a celebration of victory. Communion is a celebration of victory because the cross is the accomplished work of what the Passover meal was only a shadow of. The cross is the finished work of the Passover. Do you remember the Passover in Exodus where God rescues his people and he puts the blood of the lamb over the doorpost and anybody who had the blood of the lamb over the doorpost, they, uh, death passed them by, right? Death passed them by. And what you begin to see was God's provision, God's freedom, God's victory, God's promises begin to be poured out into those people's life. But the beginning point was this place of victory where they put the blood of the lamb over the doorpost. And so one reason that it is victorious for you and I is that it is the accomplished work of what the Passover was only a shadow of. Communion is also a uh, celebration of thanksgiving. It's a celebration of thanksgiving. In Luke chapter 22, Jesus even says, I mean, I've been, I've been eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. For I tell you that I won't even eat this meal again until its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. In other words, he's going to eat this meal again. And this meal is kingdom. This meal's being eaten in heaven. There's a table being prepared for you in heaven that Jesus is going to sit down with you. And he says, I'm going to eat this thing right here today. And it is, a, it, is a, uh, it is a foreshadow of what we're going to be experiencing in heaven. And he said, man, I've been excited about this. It's a Thanksgiving celebration. Communion celebration is also an act of remembrance. Jesus said, every time you do this communion, do in remembrance of me. Now, there's always this idea of what should be remembered. Well, first of all, we have to recognize his death, that Jesus came and he died for the sins of the world. There had to be shed blood so that sins could be removed from us. And so we, we celebrate and we remember his death. We remember that he was the firstborn raised from the dead. His resurrection, what makes Christianity, one of the things that makes Christianity different than any other thing, is the fact that our God is no longer in the grave. Every other God is still in the tomb. Muhammad is still dead. Jesus is resurrected. And so we have this remembrance of the resurrected Christ. We also have this remembrance of an overwhelming victory. When we begin to live the Christian life and live it as it was intended to live, it is always from a place of victory. Oftentimes, and what we see a lot in the church, is that people are living their life from a place of defeat. As if they're defeated, as if somehow hell has some semblance of power over them. Or 
or they don't have any control over their situation around them, which oftentimes we don't, but that doesn't mean that we don't live a victorious life or from a place of victory. In other words, we come at it knowing that we win, knowing that the forces that are for us are greater than the forces that are against us. And so we come from a place of remembering His overwhelming victory, His glory, in His majesty, His glory being His attributes, His nature, His the way He moves, the way He thinks, everything about who He is. We remember who He is and His majesty. That's what we remember. And so, communion celebration is an act of remembrance. It's all so. Uh, there's also a way that He wants us to remember. First of all, we have to recognize that it is a remembrance, and then we have to come to a place where there is a how to remember it. And it is a remembered from a place of thanksgiving. Eucharist, which if you're from a traditional background or denomination, you've heard of Eucharist, that actually comes from the Greek word that means thanks. It means thanksgiving. And so when we do Eucharist, we are doing a, a thanksgiving celebration. It also comes, we should come at it from a place of triumph, that of victory. No matter what our trial is, we're coming from it from a place of victory. Also, we need to come at communion. How we are to remember it is that Satan and his forces are disarmed and defeated. Every time we take communion, we need to come from it from a victorious place not a defeated place, from a place where we understand and we actually believe that the finished work of the cross was able to disarm and diminish what Satan and his, and his cohorts have for you. How many of you know that you're not near important enough for Satan to be messing with you? Now, Donald Trump might be, but you ain't. So most of the time, you're going to be dealing with his angelic hosts, the, the, the demonic forces that aligned themselves with Lucifer when they were cast down. But the point is, all those armed forces have been disarmed and defeated by the cross. And so communion is to remind you, you are to remember that fact and then begin to live that way. It is not intended for you to just spur that out of your mouth and not actually begin to act and move in victory and in triumph. So when all hell breaks loose, in other words, in your life, you can come at it from a positive attitude of victory and triumph instead of uh, the, the, the donkey on Winnie the Pooh. What's his name? Eeyore. Eeyore. Oh, woe is me. All hell's broke loose in my life and I'm defeated. I lost my tail and I can't find it anywhere. That's the way Christians act all over the place. Oh my goodness, life's so hard. I think I'm going to die. Except Jesus died for me, so all hell has been diminished, and now I am free and in triumph and in victory and hallelujah. It makes all the difference in the world how you come at it. And he says, come at it from victory 
and triumph. Colossians chapter 2, verse 14 and 15 declares Jesus canceled the record of the charges against you and against me, and he took them away by nailing them to the cross. In this way, by them being nailed to the cross, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them at the cross. It's done deal. It's a done deal. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And we're to take communion from that position, that place of victory. Revelation 12, 11 says this. Listen. And they have defeated him. Who did they defeat? They defeated hell and its forces. Satan and hellish forces were defeated. By who? By Jesus at the cross, by the blood of the Lamb, and by you testifying to what the blood of the Lamb did for you. When you declare defeat, when you give your sin and your dysfunction a name, you are aligning yourself with hellish forces. You're not aligning yourself with the kingdom of heaven. And he says this, that you're brought free by the cross in its work, and you aligning yourself by saying that I am free, I am victorious, hell has been disarmed, I'm a king, I'm a priest to my God, I'm a child of the Most High God. My testimony is this, and it disarms the principalities. How do you arm them? You arm them by living in defeat. You arm them by being discouraged. You arm them by losing hope. You arm them by not believing that God can or will in your circumstances. But you defeat them by the testimony of the cross and its power in your life. Amen? So, he has, Satan has to retreat everywhere that the blood of Calvary is made the testimony of the saints. Celebration of this release from bondage is a victory over our slavery and over our oppressor, the one who would oppress us. And you say, well, maybe, Pastor, you just don't know what I'm going through. Yes, I do. And I know this. And I may not know everything, but I knew something. But it doesn't matter to me. Because I know where your victory comes from and where your hope is, can be placed, where there is one hope that you're actually going to triumph in this thing. It's through Christ Jesus and the finished work of the cross. And so the first thing that we've got to understand about communion is that it is a celebration of victory. And when we take this communion, it is a victorious celebration number two communion is a proclamation of redemption now redemption is how many remember green stamps i love green stamps anybody remember green stamps so you have to be uh yeah yeah we have to yeah okay so you get a gift card from the mall okay you redeem the gift card you know take the gift card to the mall and they'll they'll give you merchandise for that gift card that's that's called redemption 
Well, there is an exchange that happens. In other words, if you have, if you have green stamps, you fill up these books. You used to fill up these books of green stamps, and you take them somewhere, and those green stamps, based on how many books you had, could buy more stuff. And so you could, you know, you saved your books, and, you know, people would take books in that's full of green stamps like this. They got them at the grocery store every time they bought groceries, and they'd go in, and they'd find something they liked, and they'd go redeem them. Well, you've been redeemed by Jesus. Your, your, your condition was a sin condition, and the penalty for that was hell, was hell and death and everything that it brings. But Jesus said, I want all that guilt placed on me, and I'm going to pay the price for that. And so you no longer have to pay that price. And so and so Jesus did it for you. And how you redeem that is you acknowledge that that's what he did. You make an exchange. You say, I receive what Jesus did for me as payment of that. And, and I'm going to believe that he is who he says he is. And that that payment was for me. And I am redeemed by that. Jesus says, I got this for you. And so when we come to uh, the communion table, we come to a place where we proclaim the redemption of our God. He redeemed me. I'm redeemed. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 26 says this. As often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Every time you celebrate communion, you're restating the gospel. And that is that Jesus paid it all for all you've ever done that's contrary to the ways of God. Jesus took it away. He redeemed it for you. You're saying that when you come to the communion table. We're testifying that we have been redeemed from everything that would or could harm us or destroy us. Did y'all hear that? We come knowing that anything hellish that comes after you, that wants to attack you, that wants to kill you, steal from you and destroy you has been defeated at the cross that was redeemed it's a statement that deliverance has come to all who would receive it everybody who would receive deliverance is available when we come together in celebration like this, we are proclaiming as one in unity to all that will hear. We have this common voice, and that voice is a proclamation that everything that is needed for you was done at the cross at Calvary. Every payment. There's no sin that you've ever committed or ever will commit that, hasn't, that, doesn't, uh, ha that the cross doesn't have the ability to cover. In other words, you got enough green stamp books to cover everything you've ever done. You can trade them in at the cross because God provided Jesus, his son, in your place. And every time you come to that communion table, you come with thanksgiving and a proclamation of God's redemption. Listen to this. In found in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 15 through 17. This is in the message. I really love how this is put. Says, I assume I'm addressing believers now who are mature. I'm going to assume the same thing. That was funny. Draw your own conclusions. When you drink the cup of blessing, aren't we talking, uh, aren't we taking into ourselves the body, the very life of Christ? And isn't it the same with the loaf of bread we break and eat? 
Don't we take into ourselves the body, the very life of Christ? Because there is one loaf, our manyness becomes oneness. Christ doesn't become fragmented in us. Rather, we become unified in Him. We don't reduce Christ to what we are. He raises us to what He is. We receive the redemption of Jesus. So the first thing we do is we start with victory. We, we take communion and we celebrate in victory and then we proclaim redemption. And then we declare our dependence on God. John writes uh, in, in, in chapter 6, verse 53 and 58, and then Jesus explains it in 63. Jesus is speaking, and he says, I tell you the truth. It's a hard scripture. He, he, he says, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you cannot have eternal life within you. But anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise that person at the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. I live because of the living Father who sent me. In that same way, anyone who feeds on me will live because of me. I am the true bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will not die as your ancestor did, even though they ate the manna, but will live forever. And I could tell you, teach you on that, but I'm not going <laughs> to. And then in 63, he kind of explains that because it's a hard teaching in the scriptures. In John right there, you, you saw a lot of this. It says, and his disciples left and quit following him because that was such a hard teaching. But Jesus explains to those who would listen and says, the spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. And the very words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. And so it's really twofold. It's spirit and it's life. In other words, we have to come to Jesus. We have to receive what he did at the cross. We have to recognize that the fact that the blood and the cup were always a prophetic look from even Exodus and what Jesus was going to accomplish at the cross. He accomplishes at the cross, and he says, if you believe that my blood and my body were the redemption payment for your life, you receive that, then you're born again. Actually, it would be better said that you are alive to God. And what the Bible says about people that are alive to God, it means that you will never die. It means you will live eternally with the Father, that we're eternal beings. Whether we live eternally separated from God or eternally with God, nonetheless, he says that it is, it is spirit and it's life. So it's two ways. First of all, it's vertical. We are alive to God. We come alive by His work at the cross. And so that's what communion is. And it's, it's horizontal. We begin to do the work of the kingdom because we're in the kingdom. And as we take communion, we need to recognize the fact and demonstrate the idea that communion is a declaration of our dependence on God, dependence on God, and our dependence on God that's working and manifests itself with the body of Christ. Because that's what he does. Nobody here is a lone ranger. It vertical, it works vertically and horizontally. And so, number three is we declare our dependence on Jesus as we take communion. So our uh, it's victorious, it's redemptive. 
and it's dependent. And then we have to recognize the fact that we need to examine ourselves. And this is, a, this is one of the most important parts that I want you to understand about communion. And sometimes it can be uh, a little difficult to, to kind of get a hold of, but hopefully I can bring some uh, clarity to it. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 28, 31, and 32, this is from the New Living Translation. Jesus said, I mean, uh, Paul writes uh, to the church, that's why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. But if you and me, if we would examine ourselves, we would not be judged by God in this way. And he's talking about uh, the, the two verses that we'll get to later on as we get into number five. But if you notice, we went from 28 to 31. So we have to examine ourselves so that we won't be judged by God in the way that's written out in 29 and 30. Yet when we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned along with the world. So if you've got a little pen or whatever, you've got notes, or if you've got your Bible, circle or underline the word judge. Judge is not eternal damnation here because he's not talking to unbelievers. He's talking to believers. And so what he's saying with this passage of Scripture, be careful to judge yourself so that you won't be judged. Not for eternal damnation, but for what then? If it's not eternal damnation, what is it? Well, it's parental discipline. It's fatherly discipline. God will get you straightened out if you're his son or daughter. And you want to examine yourself first before you come to the communion table so that you don't have to reap the, the, the discipline that comes from the Lord. What, one of the things that we got to make sure we don't do is we don't allow creep to come in. What's creep? Creep is when you allow the, the, the world's point of view or a, a philosophy that is uh, that's popular or whatever it might be to begin to infiltrate your thinking and your ways of doing this contrary to the words of God. Because what's really important to the Lord is that you agree with Him. You, you remember what Don Potter said while he was here? He says, if you begin to think your opinion is better than God's opinion, you're in a dangerous place. You're in a dangerous place. He, he takes his hand off of you and allows you to experience life without his provision, without his protection, without any of those things that, that are promised to us children when we begin to value our own way of thinking more than his. And he says to you and me, make sure you examine yourself before you come to the communion table, making sure your heart is fully devoted to me, that your mindset is teachable, that you want to learn from me and you want to be transformed by me. He, he, it, 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 but what it's not is a guilt trip. You know, one of the things that I see at communion is I, I see people, and, and there's just this, this posture of, um, you know, Jesus took a beating for me. He, he was beaten to the point where he, he was, he, you, couldn't, you couldn't identify him. And, and, and we have all this guilt, and, and, and we impose all this stuff, and you can almost feel this, this, this coming over you, you know, this, this judgment or this uh, thought process that you're unworthy and that you're, and that you're just dirty 
and, and, and that you're, and that he had, if it wasn't for you, he wouldn't have got beat like that. Well, if you weren't worthy, he wouldn't have got beat like that. <laughs> you are worthy. God thought you was worthy. So he came and got beat like that. So that he could redeem you. You were worth it. He loves you. Communion is not so that you can begin to think about or be drawn back to all your mistakes in life. It is to celebrate that even with your mistakes, you're still victorious. It's to begin to take the posture that I am still victorious even in my dysfunction. All God wants to make sure you do is not name your dysfunction. That you don't start naming it and say, here's my dysfunction, here's my sin, I'm going to name this sin, and I'm going to give it place in my life. He said, make sure that you examine yourself, that you don't have that posture, that anything doesn't look kingdom, anything doesn't look like me, that you would, that you would make sure that you were available and beginning to proclaim that there is no, there is no spiritual thing in the world that has power over you. Hell doesn't have any power over you and you don't give it. That you actually refuse to give it. So how should we come? We should come with a full heart of gratitude. We should come humbly and teachable. We should magnify the full worth of Christ's sacrifice. What does that mean? That means that we that we begin to appropriate that we're healed, that we begin to appropriate that our soulishly, our emotions and our mindsets are healed. We appropriate its fullness, everything that it brings, magnifying the full worth of Christ's sacrifice so that we won't be disciplined. Instead, we should bring all our broken places to our Redeemer and then begin to walk in freedom that it provides. We have this expectation that every bit of brokenness we bring to Christ can be redeemed, and we can walk in health. We should come in the spirit of our dependence upon him, examining our hearts and receiving the provision he has for us. Jesus said, Father, it's not your will, but it's, if you could take this cup from me, if it's your will, take it from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Not my will, but yours be done. So the communion is a self-examination, and communion is a reception of provision. We have to receive what God provided. For if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment. Again, that same word, that judgment come upon us. That's why many of you are weak and sick, and some have even died. That's verse 29 and 30 that I left out just a minute ago. That sickness and that death even has come because you didn't expect the full provision of what Christ did at the cross. That is, you didn't honor the body of Christ. It means that we don't give it its full worth. So if we ascribe to the full worth of the work of the cross, it brings life, it brings health, it brings strength, it brings healing, 
it's an absence of unbelief. It's faith. It's an absence of worry. It's an absence of anxiety. It's an absence of hopelessness. Jesus said, I believe that we believe when we appropriate the full worth of the cross, and that honors the body of Christ. So, let us come to the Lord's table and receive its full worth every time we take communion. It is to remind us of his full worth. Are y'all, are y'all tracking with that? Do y'all, do y'all hear that? That is thinking good. Now, the question is, do we live there? Is that where I live? I have to ask myself, do I live here? I mean, i got to be honest. No. Do I want to live here? Yes. Well, why do I have communion? To remind me to live here. So how often should you take communion? As often as you need to be reminded to live here. Right? You can serve yourself communion. You can take communion anytime, but Christ gave it to us so that we could receive his provision. In Luke chapter 22, he says, Father, if there's any other way to do this, take this cup from me. You know what the Father says? There's no other way to do it. Jesus said, okay, let's go. It said that he sweat blood in determination to redeem me and me so that we could receive the fullness of the worth of the cross. Heaven says, back to Revelation chapter 12. Then I heard a loud voice shouting across the heavens. It has come at last, salvation and power and the kingdom of God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down to earth. The one who accuses them before God day and night. And they have defeated him by the blood of the Lamb and by their testimony. And they did not love their lives even unto death. Peter proclaims in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. 
And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These promises, there uh, are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature. These, let me, let's read that together. These are the promises that enable me to share his divine nature and escape the corruption of the world caused by human desires. Communion. Does that give you understanding? Does that help you with moving to another place? Now, this is what I believe. This service was so much better than first. There was so much less distraction. Thank you for being focused on what the Lord wants to teach us. But here it is in a nutshell. I gave you the facts. I gave you the information. Now, here's the deal. Here's the deal. This weekend, I was watching this video. And it was a little boy, and he was about 8 or 10 years old, and he had cerebral palsy, severe cerebral palsy. And his daddy... Danny was holding, about your size, was holding this kid in the air. And the kid was doing what cerebral palsy does, which is uncontrollable muscles, you know, going everywhere. And I watched this preacher in, in, in the Philippines begin to pray in the Spirit over this kid. And this kid straightened up. He was on a fold. These people were going ballistic. They were going crazy. They, they were praying with expectation, but they ain't never seen anything like this either. And it was on this lady's cell phone. Ed Price posted it on Facebook. So if you want to see it, look at it. But it's an amazing deal. This child was healed of cerebral palsy in a moment because people believed and prayed. And the miraculous power of God came down. Do we have that kind of belief? I saw a vision last night as I'm praying for you guys that there were, there were people in here with chains around the neck, choker chains around the neck, and they were tied to the floor and they were held captive by their own limitations. But how, by how they view themselves. And, and, by, and then by, secondly... By, by their theological boxes that they got God in, that they don't believe that God really moves like this anymore, and so, and so they never experience the fullness of God because of what they've always believed, even though they don't know why they believe what they believe, except sometime, in some way or another, in their lifetime, somebody they trusted preached it, and so they bought into it, versus really exploring and seeing what the Bible has to say about the miraculous work of our God. And he says, we're held chained by that. It's around your neck, and you can't go be what I want you to be because you're hooked to it. And he said to me that he wants to break that into this place, that we're not bound by anything, that our imagination is open, and we can't think bigger than our God. He wants to do more than we've ever done, and he wants to use you. He says, I've provided communion so you can declare that. And then every time that you take of the cup or drink of the bread, that 
you'll do so remembering what was accomplished in its fullness at the cross. Look at your hands. Look at your hands. Are those hands ready to receive everything God has? Are they ready to receive everything God has? Look at those hands again. You know, those hands were created that everything they in touch imparts the kingdom of God. Those hands were created so that everything you touch imparts the kingdom of heaven. Do you believe that about yourself? That that's what God wants to do through you? That's why you were created. I want to experience that. I want to know that. I've been given everything I need that pertains to life and godliness so that I can experience the fullness of God. I'm going to ask our ushers to come. And they're going to pass out communion. And Brandon's going to lead us in communion. And we're going to receive it in its fullness this morning. Amen? Amen? I believe in you and I believe in you you're the God of miracles and I believe in you and I believe in you you're the God of miracles I believe I believe in you, you're the God of miracles, yes, I know that, I believe in you, I believe in you, you're the God of miracles, we say now, I believe in you, I believe in you're the God of miracles, and I believe in you, I believe in you, you're the God of miracles, I believe in you, I believe in you. You're the God of miracles. One more time we say, I believe in you. I believe in you. You're the God of miracles.
was a lot. It was good. Yes, a lot. Lord, establish it. Settle it. So much of it I think we can sum up right here. Appropriation of victory. Do you guys hear that? Victorious living. A real commitment. The celebration. The remembrance. The victory. The provision. The examination. The receipt. Victory. Victory. I'm going to invite you guys to kneel with me as we take communion and if you're able if you're not able please don't I'm going to challenge you very quickly because I think the Lord wants me to with those areas in your life that don't look like him. Well, you're not doing something that he says do. And well, you're doing something that he says stop. And I'm going to challenge you right here. The enemy will keep you from a solid commitment. To the Lord of Lord I'm gonna start I'm gonna do it or Lord I'm done I'm not going to do it again Satan doesn't want you to go to that place but church I want you to hear something this is a word from the Lord you need to hear it the only reason you don't go to that place and the only reason that I don't go to that place is because of fear of failure. And because we don't believe that the blood of Jesus is enough to really accomplish it. So Lord, here we are. You see us. We're bowed. We're humble before you. recognizing, believing, really holding on to today, God, that you want victory for us, that you've provided it, that you've accomplished it, that you've redeemed it, that you've paid for it, that Jesus, it's done, that hell is defeated, that sin and the consequences of sin have no grip on us any longer. <laughs> Church, do you believe it? Can we make noise from our knees? Is that okay? Is that biblical? Do you believe it, that he's really done it? Let's say, Lord, you've done it. Lord, I believe it. Lord, I'm free in you. Your blood is enough for what you want me to do, for who you created me to be.
So, Father, so, Father, I judge myself today so that you won't have to judge me. And as I take your body, in this moment as I take your body I commit in this moment to walk out the victory that you have purchased for me let's take together Jesus says, I drink the cup, which is your blood, your very life. I commit to walk out the victory. Do you mean it, church? Say it like you mean it. I commit to walk out the victory that you purchased for me. drink together. Bless your name, Lord. We can stand. Bless your name, Jesus. It's a moment of celebration. It's a moment of victory. God, it's a moment of power being released in our lives. It's a moment of chains being broken. It's a moment of everything that you went to the cross for, God, beginning to happen in the spirit. It's a moment of the way I see myself starting to change. It's a moment of the way I see you starting to change. It's a moment where the way I see my obstacles and my mountains and my challenges and my addictions and my sickness, the way that you see it. We bless your name. We bless your name. time we come to your table, glorify your name. But may we come to your table in spirit every day. Glorify your name. We give you this moment. We give you our hearts and our minds as we go from here. We give you our families. Eastside Church, may the Lord bless you. And may the Lord keep you. And may the Lord make his face to shine on you. And may the Lord give you peace. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Eastside Church Podcast. 
If you have any questions or need more information, visit our website, eastsidechurch.co.